0: Well, good afternoon. This, I just have to say right off the rip here, this has been a memorable, this has been a weekend to remember. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I am so glad we were here this week. This has been, this has been incredible. <clears throat> Very encouraging um, to be with these, you saints here. To get to see firsthand what God is doing here. Um... To fellowship around the Lord Jesus Christ with you all has been has been tremendous. Yeah, like like Brother Nathan said, last night was kind of amazing. Um, I will be honest with you, uh, we we had a nice time last night just of a continued testimony. I got to tell a handful that were there <clears throat> how God has been working in my life and my wife's life <clears throat> over especially the last couple of years. I I shared with everybody that you know I got saved twenty two years ago and. And uh, like my brother Nate, I really appreciated his testimony how there was a period where he just went through kind of the practicing Christian life, going through the motions and that was twenty years for me where I was just doing what a Christian does on the outside and yet in the inside there was the the first love had had grown very cold and and two years ago the Lord uh, the Lord really changed that <laughs> uh, he really changed it and I only share that because where I had brought us last night was up to the point my wife and I and our family are being called to Israel Um, we're in the process we're kind of one foot in one foot out right now Uh, many of you know and have been praying with us Uh, I got to spend a month in September in Israel and uh, just listening to the Lord uh, uh, questions answered of how we how we move in the next step just just stepping out by faith and and waiting in the Lord the Lord responded and so I told everybody last night, I'm excited to today, uh, I had brought a, a slideshow and just to show you some of the things God revealed to us while I was there and, and that was my intention. I, I, I was gonna share on Israel and um, I have to be honest with you, was, I, I wanna pray about doing that later. I wanna pray about coming back because I feel like I owe you all that. Um, there was a group who... Um, became very special to my wife and I that came down right before I left for only the purpose to come pray with us and spend time with us, encourage us before I went to Israel. And I will say very clearly that I think only glory will reveal to you folks how how precious that was to us. Uh, the prayers and the support that we received from you here, so I owe you, and that was my intention, I owe you uh, uh, some time here to show you what God did because it was tremendous. The time I had in Israel, what the Lord, what we watched him do was, was amazing, and I am very excited about where God is taking us. Now, I only say that, again, that is my, my so I am gonna be praying about the opportunity to come back hopefully soon, and, and get to share with you all what God is doing and, and, and the vision that he is giving us of what he wants to do in Israel. And so I'm committing to that in prayer. Um, last night I went to bed fully expecting. I was telling some of the guys, you know, the plans, I think, our plans, were possibly in this hour sharing about Israel. And I went to sleep last night, like Brother Nathan was saying, I was in a deep sleep. And the Lord, it was as if I was from deep sleep to immediately wide open. It was like a Samuel experience in the temple, in the tabernacle. And it was, speak, Lord, for your servant here. And I knew the Lord woke me up and he began flooding me with, with thoughts. And, and he, I believe, gave me a word. There's not a lot of times or there's not often that I can confidently say, the Lord gave me a word. But last night, the Lord gave me a word, and I woke up, and I was kind of reasoning with the Lord. Lord, we got, we got a full schedule today. I was downstairs just having my quiet time. It's like, Lord, what do, I, what do I do with this? And, and I came upstairs, and my dad was there first, and Nathan came in shortly after, and I was listening to them, and they said, oh, did you, uh did you hear the word? No. Well, the two guys who are going to share today, Josh and Jeremy, are both sick, and I literally just laughed. I started laughing. You've got to be kidding me. And Nathan says, well, maybe leave that out when we tell Josh that, because I wasn't laughing at him. I was laughing at every time in my life the Lord shows up like that and he makes himself so very evidently clear. It always, every time, I will never not be surprised. I just, I was surprised. Um, Not in a bad way, not unexpectedly, but just, but it was the Lord. And so, so, uh I can confidently say that uh, the Lord has given me a word this morning and confirmed that in between meetings where a brother came up to me and asked me a question. You see, my thoughts this morning, we have been talking about this week, this remembrance weekend, one of the thoughts that keeps coming up as we began the week, the weekend, one of the brothers, uh, was it Aaron? No, or who was it? said, take the plunge. Take the plunge. And then our brother Nate yesterday telling his testimony says, guys, that invitation isn't just to the lost. That invitation is if you're sitting here right now and you're not living the full Christian life, you're not entering into the land as we talk about, you don't understand the fullness of Christ. What are you waiting for? Take the plunge, believer. Believer. And that's really what the what the Lord gave me this morning. It was now how do we do that? How does that work? And a brother came up to me in between meetings, had no idea what I, the Lord was laying in my heart and he said, "Josh, what you shared last night about what God did in your life. I mean, I want to look at Christians and I want to grab them and shake them. Whatever God did here, you want it. It's amazing. And this brother said to me, he said, "Uh, how do you get there? (laughs) I almost laughed again. I said, brother, that's what the Lord is laying in my heart. And so I want to open up with you in the book of Ephesians once again. Chapter 1, here is the word the Lord gave me. In our weekend of remembrance, we have gone through this. Remember who is how we began Remember where? Remember when? Remember what? Remember how? And this morning, our brother took us into remember not. And I want to throw one more out there. This is the word, the clear word from the Lord that he gave me this morning. And it's this. Remember you. Hmm. Remember you. And I'm going to let our brother Paul define this for us in Ephesians chapter 1 verse number 15 please read for me read with me rather for this reason because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints I do not cease to give thanks for you and it is this phrase right here in the King James I say I think it says making mention but the word is mania and it means remembrance in this ESV it says remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. I want to pause there for just a second. Because what Paul does here is he begins to lay out, he begins to pray for these Ephesian believers. He says, I am remembering you. Beautiful. I am remembering you in my prayers. And what he is praying for, what he is asking for from God, for these precious ones that he has come to love, Is we read in verse number 18, it is spiritual enlightenment. He wants the eyes of their hearts to be opened to realize something that God has already prepared for them. We would relate it in the Old Testament to the book of Joshua of the coming into the land. You see, in in, in the Old Testament, if you think back in your mind, we should go back there, but we won't. But when they came to that, we mentioned this last night, when they came to that Jordan River the first time, that early generation, God brought them to the, to, the, to the Jordan River and they sent in the spies and they went and spied out the land. Well, that place we know is called Kadesh Barnea. My dad has brought this out back home. It was a crossroads in their life. It was a, it was a choosing place. Decision time, boys. And on the one hand was Kadesh, which meant holiness. You see, on the one hand, what he was offering them is the life that he wants for them in Christ, in other words. The holy life, the separated life, the life that God can use to the fullest, we'll see. And on the other hand was called Barnea, which meant wilderness. Here it is. It's the life, the full life in Christ or the wilderness. And we know the story. They chose wrong first, the first time. They chose wrong and by disbelief they were, they were sent into the wilderness for 40 years. And that gen, at first that old generation had to die in the wilderness. And their problem was as they came to that crossroads, and dad has brought this out back home like I said, they came to that crossroads and they sent in the spies. And the spies came back. You remember, you can read it in Numbers 13. The spies come back, and they brought the grapes and the pomegranates and the figs. They brought the fruit of the land, and they put it on display. And they said, oh, whoa, that, look at that. You know, that fruit that it took two men to carry the cluster of grapes. I've never seen grapes like that. It was telling you this was a supernatural thing. And they looked at those grapes. Oh, Whoa, that looks really good. But you see, then they did something catastrophic. And they used these two eyes. Do a study on that in the Scriptures. When man sees with the eyes. You're going to read the stories like David and Bathsheba with Samson and what he saw. And the destruction that comes from that. And they saw with the two eyes and they looked at the fruit. But then they looked and they said, But, but there's giants in that land and those cities are huge. And using these two eyes, the, the physical eyes, they turn back. And you know how many Christians I feel are in the church today who are just in the wilderness just waiting to die, is what it feels like, what it looks like. Fruitless lives. But then that next generation comes along, 40 years later, 30, well, 38 after, after that point, and they come along, And kind of did the same thing. They look at the fruit. I like that. But then they, they look beyond and they saw the city. And they saw the giants. But they did something like this. They look back and they saw God. And that takes faith. They saw God and they said this. God promised that to us. He promised that land to us. And on his word, on that promise, he's going to give us exactly what he said. And they went in and it said, God promised them every square inch that the sole of your foot will step on, you can keep. How much can we have? As much as you go in and take. And they responded by faith. And you see, that is what Paul is praying for you and I. I'm going to apply this to us because I believe it's very applicable. That is what he's he's praying for you and I here that the eyes of your heart, not these eyes, that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened, that you will see through these eyes the eye of faith. Now read on. Verse 18, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know, that you might lay hold of something that's already been prepared. We're not talking about receiving something. You already have it. It's already yours. All we need is the faith to see it and lay hold of what God has already prepared for us. And this is the way that the Lord Jesus, or that that Paul lays out by inspiration of the Spirit, that you may know what is the first, what is the hope to which he has called you. Secondly, that you may know what are the riches of his glorious inheritance realized in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe and I would love to preach a whole series of messages on this right here. but I merely want to whet your appetite. All I want to do is be like Joshua and parade in front of you just the grapes, the figs and the pomegranates. I can't show you the whole land, but I want to just and very shortly what is at stake, what we are what we are eyeing, what we are looking for to, to, to lay hold of. And I merely want to do it by three phrases. In my opinion, if you study this book right here, these three realities, what we just saw, the hope, the riches, and the power is a structure of the whole rest of the book of Ephesians. And if you want to know more, I would love to show you more later. But I'm going to just quickly show you what I mean as we skip ahead in this book. Paul makes a statement. Remember, when they carried those grapes, two men had to carry a cluster of grapes. It was absurd. And that's why it took faith. They could only lay hold of it by faith because the claim of what God was doing was impossible. Those cities, look at those city walls and look at those Anakim giants. It is impossible. And yet that generation said, God said it, he will do it. And this is the reality, this is the claim that God is making for you. Listen to this, brethren. Chapter 3, you could summarize this with one statement. Listen to this. Chapter 3, for context, let's go back just a little bit to verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength, have strength to comprehend. This is impossible. Strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Listen to this phrase right here. This is this is you, you just. This is the most absurd unrealistic, impossible statement in the scriptures that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Whoa, whoa, filled with all the fullness of God. And we might go, well, that's just only in glory. No way. Paul is saying it is yours now, believer to be filled with all the fullness of, I will interpret it this way, to be filled with all the fullness of the Godhead. Because now watch what Paul does. Watch what he does here as we skip forward into chapter four now. And I'm gonna just give you one phrase of the next three chapters to show you what Paul is gonna interpret to you, what is the fullness of the Godhead in your life now, realized in your life. He says this, check it out, chapter 4, verse number, let's start in 12. He mentions these spiritual gifts, these these, uh, uh, administrative men that are gifted to the body. And he says their purpose is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. Listen, here's our absurd, just give me a break, that is impossible statement. Those grapes are impossible. Till we all attain to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You see, we're talking about the fullness of the Godhead here. First, Paul says that we might all attain to the measure of the stature of the Son Then he says this in chapter 5, verse number 18. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the reality of that verse is a constant, ongoing, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not a once and done, it is a continue. We often look at the the filling of the spirit like we're a bucket and God just comes and he pours out once. No, no, Christian, you're a hose. That's how you need to look at your life. You are a hose. And the reality is God wants his spirit to continually flow through you. It's the reality in John 15 that we are the vi- he is the vine and we are the branches. And that sap, that life-giving sap that just is constantly producing fruit in our life just continues to flow through us. Amen. Be being filled with the spirit. You see my correlation here? till we all attain to the measure of the stature of the Son of God, of the Son. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit, chapter five. Now chapter six, we read this, verse 10. Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Woo, I love it. Put on the whole armor of God till we all attain to the fullness of the Son, be being filled with the Spirit and armored in the full armor of God. It's what Paul is saying, that we might all be filled with the fullness of God. And Christian, here is my temptation to you. It can be yours today. And I want you in your mind to just fathom if God did this work in every one of us, what would Portage La Prairie look like? You know what would it look like? You want to know what it would look like? Go read the book of Acts, where 3,000 got saved this day. I've loved hearing these stories of of souls being saved, but I'm waiting for the day when all of a sudden I hear, 3,000 got saved, 5,000 got saved over here. This is the... The invitation that God has for you today. Plunge in, Christian. Plunge in. But now my question is, how how do we get there? How do we go into the fullness of the land? And that's what Paul prays for here in verse number 15 of chapter 1. That is his prayer. It's the secret. I don't want to use the word formula because I don't like that. But it's the model it's the model we see right here and it's so easy. Do you understand me? It's, it's so easy. Because Paul says this, he says verse, verse 15 again, for this reason, because I've heard of your faith and I wanted to just pause on that. He says I've heard of your faith and, and your love toward all the saints and I look around this place here and I want to tell you in Valley City we have heard of your faith. We have heard of you what God is doing amongst his people here. And I know that's only by faith. We have heard of your faith and I have come here now and I've experienced the love of the brethren. So brethren, you apply to this prayer right here. This is for you. You fit the mold for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love toward all the saints. Paul says this, And this is where it begins and this is really where it ends. This is why it makes it all so easy. I do not cease to give thanks for you. And he says this, remembering you in my prayers. Paul starts where we must. I would appreciate our brother as he was sharing the testimony of this place. And he said, we want to be a people that are patterned by prayer. And you want to know how you enter into the land how we go in? Well, you have not because you ask not. Do you know how easy it is to go into the land? You just say, Lord, just like those people in, in Israel. God, all the fullness of God in me, until we all attain to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, be being filled with the Spirit, armored fully in the armor of God. You said it, God. You promised it in your word. You see, this is faith. Faith. Now do it. That's it. That's as easy as it gets. The brother who was asking me between me is, how do you, how do you get there? So It's so easy. You just get on your knees. Brethren, can I encourage you, if you truly are a people of prayer, and I believe that, I've experienced it, then let me encourage you that this prayer right here, or the heart of it, it must dictate your entire prayer life. Dictate, you know, we come together and we pray for Aunt so-and-so's hurt knee and, and, the, and, you know, so-and-so that's sick. And When was the last time you prayed for Brother Kurt that he would be, that you would give him a spirit of wisdom and of a revelation in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ so that his eyes might be enlightened, that you'd give him eyes to see by faith all that you have prepared for him? When was the last time you prayed that for yourself? When was the last time you prayed that for the body as a whole? I get the opportunity back home. I have a lot of free time on my hands. The Lord has cleared my schedule. And I get to sit at our little meeting and I love. I go to our meeting place because I, I get to sit up front and it's about half this size. And I get to, in my mind, go, my brother Jim and Edie are sitting here. And Nadine is behind him in my mind, and I pray for all the brethren in our meeting that, Lord, you'd give them a spirit of wisdom and a revelation of the knowledge of yourself that the eyes of their hearts might be enlightened, that they may come to know the hope, the riches, and the power that are theirs in Christ. And it must, it must consume our prayer life if we are to be that Acts church. Oh, Lord, bring us into the land. That's all it is. Just bring us in, Lord. Give us exactly what you've promised. So Paul begins here. I have some notes scratched out. I don't even know if I'm going to really look at them. But he begins here by saying, you want to go in? It's easy. Get on your knees and pray. You know, uh, grace, in this book here, this book of Ephesians is is really God's grace grace book to his bride. Uh, Brother Nathan was was sharing uh, in the story of the Exodus when they came to that Mount Sinai. and, And we think of it like the Mosaic covenant, which really not, it was a marriage covenant. It was a marriage covenant and he was swooning them. He was wooing his bride. Well, in Jewish culture, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but in Jewish culture, they have something called a ketubah contract. Anybody ever heard of that? Ketubah contract, it's very cool, very fascinating. I actually got to see one when I was in Israel. It's a formality today, but it used to be a very important document. And what the document was, was it was a contract from the father of the groom. And it was written to the bride. And what it did is it spelled out, listen, if you are joining in in covenant to my son, me as the father who is the owner of the estate I want to write and show you I want to spell out to you what you stand to gain because you are joining my son that's the ketubah contract and that's the book of Ephesians and it's no accident that when you go to chapter 5 of Ephesians you get the clearest teaching in all the New Testament of the bride and the groom it's very practical teaching but it is way deeper than that Because Paul says this this mystery is profound, brethren. He says, I'm speaking of Christ in the church. In this book, it it is a contractual agreement that if you're coming into a covenant with my son, and by faith that is you, I hope, if you're coming into a covenant with my son, this is what's yours in Christ. It's God's grace book to his bride. And the tragedy I see in the church, and me included, folks, is, is that if we think of grace like it's this, this ocean, we're looking out on this vast, infinite ocean of God's grace. It seems like we as believers, we're, we're content with just coming up to the edge and just, just dipping our toes in it. Ooh, that was nice. And we're content with that. And Paul, what he's doing here in this, in this prayer is he's laying out the secret of, of falling deeper, of taking the plunge. Take the plunge, believer. And he begins with, I... Do not cease to remember you in my prayers. I'm praying for you. As I said, a good majority of the church is, it seems like, is living this life where we're just where we're just dabbling in the the waters of God's grace. And the sad part is it feels like we're completely content with that. And ultimately, because of that, our lives and our, and our walk before the Lord, it's, it's stagnant, it's cold, it's powerless, it lacks fellowship, it lacks intimacy. We struggle to maintain a faithful walk with the Lord through our time in the Word and in prayer and ultimately, our walk is fruitless before the Lord. And, and I want to say something I wish 20 years ago. I wish somebody would have grabbed me, grabbed me and just shook it into me. I wish somebody would have looked at, at me in the eyes and said, you know, maybe, just just maybe... There's there's something more to this Christian walk than what you're experiencing. Maybe just maybe there's there's something deeper. You know there's a very real I was telling the brother in between the meeting. There is a very real reality to what Paul says in Galatians 2:20. He says I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, it's not I who live, but, but Christ who lives in me and through me, the fullness of God. And there is a life in Christ available, a walk in the Spirit with tremendous power. And I'm warning you, as I warned the brother in between the meeting, You start praying this way though that it comes first with a death. It always does. And it hurts. It comes with a death. I'm crucified with Christ, Paul said. But after this what remains is a walk that is empowered under the the strength of God's Spirit and and everything changes. Everything changes. I, I know that what our brother said yesterday about the born again again. Oh, man. God did a work in my heart and I thank him for it. And I pray that he does it again and again. And that's what I want to show you. This is not a one time and done. This is a constant, continual work in the life of the believer. God, do it again. Oh, it hurt. Oh, that hurt. But what came on Sunday morning, on resurrection morning, that I might attain by, all, by any means possible, Paul says in Philippians, that I might attain to the resurrection of the dead, that, that yes, this is going to hurt going into it. But what comes on Sunday morning on the resurrection, oh, this is good. And there is a walk with the Lord that has power that has intimacy, that has fellowship, a prayer life where you pray and God responds. You pray and God responds. You pray and God responds. And he wants the same thing for all of you. The offer is the exact same. Take the plunge. But again, Paul says pray. Pray, believer. Please pray for one another. I'm committing right now to praying for this group this way. I'm committing before the Lord. I'm praying for you. I told this brother again in between meeting, brother, I'm praying for you. I will pray. I will commit to praying that God does this work in your life. What if it takes 10 years? I said, is it worth it? Like Jacob when he was wrestling with God and he would not let go and finally he said what do you want me to do for you and he said i will not let go until you bless me that's faith and so we pray what is your walk like is Christ the most is he the best is he the most important does he have priority over all things? We thought about this morning Lot and his wife looking back and the, the the danger of that, the catastrophe of that. Is Christ the most important to you? You know, he wants to bring you to a place in your walk that there's not even a second to him. It's not like Christ or something else. It's Christ and Christ alone. And there's no second to this. And so believer, don't be content. That's my first message to you. Don't be content with your walk. I don't care where you're at. This is for every one of us in this room here. No matter where we are at with the Lord, do not be content with your walk. Take me deeper, Lord. But from this point, Paul goes on, and this is our part, is we ask God, do the work. But now I want to show you what the process looks like. God is going to then take you by the hand in this process of transformation. And then he's going to do it again. And he's going to do it again. And he's going to do it again by his grace. But I want to want to show you what this process looks like as Paul prays here. Remember, he says, I don't cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. But he goes on to pray for three very specific realities in your life. And it is how grace is developed in you. It's how, it is, it how, it's how it's born in it and it grows in your life. It's the most practical teaching on the abundant growth of grace in you. How do we go in is the question. How do we take the plunge? And Paul is going to show you right here. Again, I will emphasize it a hundred times, it's prayer. But then the Lord takes you by the hand into this right here. He says, the first request, he says in verse 18, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, verse 17, or sorry, verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory... And here's his first request, that he may give you a spirit of wisdom. And I want to pause on that a second. A spirit of wisdom. Lord, give us, give me a spirit of wisdom. What are we asking for when we pray that? And there's a debate here about, if you, if you get a number of commentaries out, there's a, there's a debate about what this spirit is that we're talking about. Not really interested in getting into the, the debate Because it's not really important for the point I want to make. Um, No doubt it has to do with God's Spirit. But the question is, if it has to do with His Spirit working on our spirit or whatever. But the reality is, whatever the case, Paul prays that they would be given a spirit of wisdom. And you say, well, that's strange. How does that lead to Grace. Well, the word in the Greek is the word Sophia, very well known Greek word. Sophia. Give him give Sophia, Lord. And it means wisdom, broad and full intelligence, used of knowledge of very diverse matters, supreme intelligence, such as belongs to God. We, we often say that, that, that wisdom is, is, is knowledge applied. I, I, I've used this illustration. We like to read through the, the Proverbs with our kids in the morning. We, we, we have breakfast together, and, and, we, and we, whatever day it is, we read that Proverb. I like to at least, as we're reading, at least to take one or two of those Proverbs and expound on it. And obviously, wisdom in the Proverbs comes up very often. And I've shared with my boys especially, wisdom is like, you know, you walk up to the oven that's there, and you... You look up and you, it's glowing red hot, and you take your hand and pss, ow. And I say to them, I say, Congratulations, you just gained knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> and then a day or two later, with those scars on their hand, they come up to the oven and it's glowing red hot again, and they take their hand. And I say, congratulations, you just gained wisdom. Wisdom is just knowledge applied to your life. It's learning something and applying it. It's it's learning the black and white truth and following it. It's it's the book smart supplied. Now again, why, why why is this important to going deeper into God's grace? I had a friend back when I lived in St. Louis who who while we were living there, we were there for 8 years or so and while we were there, he was pretty influential in our little assembly down there and he left. Kind of got his nose out of joint or some things or whatever and he and he left the assembly. And uh, I had lunch with him one day and I wasn't I wasn't trying to recruit him back or talk him into his, his his decision or I just wanted to know why. You know, I was just curious as a friend what 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 was his opinion? And he said something to me that I've never forgotten. He said, you know, now that I've left the assembly, I, I, don't, I don't know any more types or pictures of Jesus because, you know, that, that just, it just makes Pharisees. And, you know, in many ways, I, I couldn't disagree with him. Because knowledge, for the sake of knowledge, we know that the Scriptures tells us it puffs up. It's actually dangerous, knowledge for the sake of knowledge. But listen to what Peter says in 2 Peter, turn there real quick, chapter 1. Keep your finger here in Ephesians, we'll be back, but just for one quick thought in 2 Peter. Peter is so very clear on this. He says in verse 2, where's our reader extraordinary? You want to read again, bud? Is Maddox, right? Can you read loud? Verse two. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Amen. Peter says, May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. The word in there is, is en and n in the Greek. It's just a, a preposition that can be used. Uh, it can be through or by or around, but uh, you could you could interpret it through. May grace and peace be multiplied through or or out of the knowledge of Jesus our Lord. You understand if you understand this, what Paul or what Peter is saying is that knowledge is like the soil that grace grows out of what he's telling you here. And I will tell you this, that you, you will never, ever go deeper into the currents of God's grace apart from the wisdom and knowledge first imparted through God's word. You never will. I've enjoyed over the last couple years especially... I've enjoyed going back in the meetings that I've been in over the last twenty years. A number of uh, some of them have uh, uh, recorded old messages, and I have enjoyed going back. and I and I say this lightly. I've enjoyed though going back and listening to some of my old messages. Not that I like to listen to myself. That's actually really weird. But what I have enjoyed is as I years ago truths that I would dig into God's Word, and I was. I was learning the book smarts of. I was learning the ins and outs, the nuances, the, the nuts and bolts of God's working in my life and gaining the knowledge of these things and listening back in those, those messages in this young whippersnapper of a Christian. And I remember and I can hear it in the heart of that young man what he's learning and the desire the desire to enter into what I was learning on the page here. And I'm not, I've, I haven't arrived. Like our brother was saying, I'm glad that I'm with a bunch of folks. Oh, maybe, I don't know, maybe some of you have arrived. but I, I have not arrived, but I am thankful for work that God has done in my heart as, as I listen back on those messages. And now on this side, where God has taken that knowledge and he's applied it to my life and there's grace that has come out of it his grace has grown in my life and I'll emphasize the point again that you will never ever 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 go deeper into the currents of God's grace apart First, from the knowledge of his word. That's why Paul is praying this. Oh, give him a spirit of wisdom, Lord. Give him a spirit that can understand the truths that they read in their scriptures. Again, do you pray this for your brother? Think about that. Do you pray for your brother here, a man who does quite a bit of teaching in the pulpit, I'm assuming? And what benefit that you... No, you say No. Well, but that's fine, but does some teaching here in the body, whatever, that does some teaching. And what comes from that is the body being encouraged and fed. Do you ever get on your knees and pray for one another, for your sister in the Lord? Lord, give her a spirit of wisdom. Lord, open up the scriptures to her. It's been convicting for me, folks. Open up the Scriptures. Show them, Lord, your knowledge. Paul goes on here. He continues to pray, I don't cease to to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory may give you a spirit of wisdom, and here's our next request. I love this. Oh, I love this. This is the intimate prayer, the same prayer that the Lord had in John 17. It's the same prayer. That you may give them, Father, a revelation in the knowledge of Him. This is deeper and more intimate yet. And immediately when you read this, if you're like me, when I first was, began studying this, immediately you're going to ask, well, I thought we just got done talking about this knowledge business. I thought we just talked about that. Well, this is something different. <laughs> Remember I said that Ephesians is the grace book. It's God's contractual agreement to you of what you stand to gain in the Lord Jesus Christ. In Him, go back and read Ephesians and notice how many times in Him is used. In Christ, in the beloved. It's like 31 times I can count in the first half of the book. It's God's grace book written to the bride. And in this little phrase we just read, we get a very beautiful glimpse at the intimacy of the bride and the groom. Again, I had mentioned, it's no accident that Ephesians 5 is the clearest teaching on the bride and the groom. This mystery is profound. It is, I'm speaking of Christ and the bride, he says. And the word knowledge here is the word epignosis, however you say it in the Greek, epignosis. And it comes from the word gnosko. And that word is used as a as an idiom for intercourse. I don't want to get too graphic with the young ears here, but it is, it is, the, it is an idiom for intercourse. It's, it's the equivalent we read in, in the old King James where you would read something along the lines of, obviously this is the Old Testament, but you'll get the, the idea, that Jacob knew Rachel on his wedding night. <clears throat> Jacob knew Rachel. This is the knowledge that we're talking about. This isn't just some vague cold understanding of Christ. This is a deep intimacy. The honeymoon night, the groom, he, he knows his wife. We're talking about this, this deep, this deep intimacy of oneness that is reserved. There's no other relationship in the world like this. The father to the son. The, there's nothing that compares to this object lesson that God has set up for you and I with a bride and a groom. It's reserved only for the bride and the groom, this level of intimacy. You know, you read through through John 10. uh, Brother Nathan and I were talking about this last night. You read through John 10, and this phrase comes up a number of times. I think at least three times. But in 27, the Lord says, my sheep... They hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. At least three times in John 10, you will read something along the lines of hearing the voice of the shepherd and knowing that voice. It's been tragic to me. I'll just tell you that right now. It's been tragic to me as I've, the Lord has opened up a few doors, a number of doors, to go and stand in front of his believers and tell them about how God has been working in our lives and how God has led us up to this point. How he and his word, every step of the way, when it was move, Josh, it was by way of his word, him speaking right to our heart, my heart and my wife's heart, through his word. And you know what I've heard so many times that I'm actually sick of it because it breaks my heart so bad as people go in the church you, you said that he spoke to you? you said that he spoke to you? how, how does that work? and I want to look at him and say how, how has he spoke to you? the career you're in the house you bought the, whatever you do in your life it sounds like you have no idea what I'm talking about. My sheep hear my voice, and they know me. But p- can I propose to you a level of intimacy even deeper than this that God wants for you and I in his son? Something even deeper that we see in the scriptures. This, you old married folk, will know what I'm talking about, you old married folk. And probably even some of you younger ones. It didn't take me long to figure this out. <clears throat> I can be in a large group with my wife. You know, as this building was full, hundred and whatever number of people here. And I can be over here and there'd be the hustle and the bustle, all the noise and everything going on, crazy activity. And my wife could be at that door. You no, know, and she does this. She gives me the look. <laughs> what did I do? Shh. I definitely said something wrong, I know. And when I get home, she is going to kill me. I know. I just know it. Shoot. How do I, how do I, how do I fix this? I got to fix it. The look. Again, this is a level of intimacy that only the bride and the groom can come into. And you know, that's what the Lord says. He says in Psalm 32, verse 8, listen to this, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way you should go. I will guide thee with mine eye. The Lord says, I want such an intimacy for you and me. Oh, it's good that my sheep hear my voice and they know me, but I want an intimacy with you so deep I don't know about you, Christian, but that's what I want. Amen? That's what I want. I want that intimacy with the Lord. I want to know him in that way. We've been given this this object lesson of a bride and a groom to help us start, to just begin To understand the intimacy that God through His Son wants with us, a deep personal intimacy with the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's another important word here. Paul prays that we might be given a revelation in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the knowledge of Him. It's already been quoted this week. This word revelation is the word apocalypsis. It's how the book of Revelation begins. We often hear that word like revelation. Oh, it means the world's going to blow up. world's going to burn down. That's not what it's saying at all. It's the revel... That book starts the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. My wife has been lately, and it's been a little while now, but she has been... She was enamored with this as she in her personal studies was studying about the reality of coming into the veil, of the veil being peeled back and that invitation to come in. Again, I said a little bit ago, this is, this is what the Lord is praying in John 17. He says that they might, how does it go? See my See my power that they might see my works. This weekend to remember. His prayer for you and I is that it's like, he says, I want to peel the veil back. And that's what, that's what the word apocalypsis means. It means to unveil. Again, I don't want to get too graphic, but it's the bride and groom story. It's the wedding night. There's no one who knows my wife. And vice versa. And the Lord prays in John 17 that they might see my glory. That I might unveil to them. That I might show them something that no created being in the world has ever seen. I don't believe when we get to glory, I think there is going to be something reserved for the bride that even the angels haven't perceived and seen. That in him, he's going to say put them all out of the room, and guys, you get to see me in a way that no one has ever seen before, that they might see my glory. But the reality is, the invitation is, that invitation is now today. We don't have to wait to die to go into heaven. The invitation is die today. Die right now and enjoy all that heaven has coming and waiting for you, that they might see my glory. That they might be brought into a level of intimacy that I guide. That I guide them with my eye on them. (sighs) Lastly, Paul prays. He says in verse eighteen, "This is actually a progression." I want to share with share this with you as we close. It's it's a progression that you see here. It's actually exactly like the story of salvation in your life. It's identical. Paul says in Colossians, as you have received Christ, so walk in him. You want to know the secret to sanctification? Is it's the same process that happened to you when you were saved. Identical process. What we just saw here. This message is applicable for anyone in this room. Whether you know him or not, it's the same process. And he prays that the eyes of their hearts might be enlightened I call this, as we do in the gospel work, I call it the aha moment. It's the lights coming on. It's when you take somebody by the hand in the word and you show them Christ and they're toiling and they're toiling and they're toiling and all of a sudden you bring them to one verse and I can see. The lights come on. It's the secret that God wants to show you and he wants to show you all that he has prepared for you. That's all it is. Anything that you can imagine in your Christian walk, you might say, Lord, I want you to put to death this old man. Put to death the old man, Lord. And the Lord's trying to convince you in Romans 6 by saying, I've already put him to death. He's already dead. All you're waiting for is to just see your eyes open that you know, that you by revelation understand what I've already done and lay hold of it by faith. And you can use that with everything in the Christian walk. Lord, I want to be filled with your spirit. And he's trying to tell you, you already are filled with my spirit. I'm just waiting for you to lay hold of it by faith. It's all bought and paid for and prepared. That the eyes of your hearts might, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, this aha moment. And again, it is just like the work of salvation. When you're in the room with somebody, you're taking them through the word. And all of a sudden, again, you take them to that verse and they, you can see it all over their face. Their whole demeanor changes. Whoa, it's amazing. It's the most intoxicating, addicting thing you'll ever do in your life. You do it once and you wanna do it a million times. And this is just that same moment, but it, it isn't reserved only for the unbeliever. It's reserved for you, believer, today. It's that same moment, just like salvation. Think about what we just talked about. Prayer is where it starts with. I guarantee you, thinking on salvation now, thinking along the lines of justification, I guarantee you, every one of you in this room, if you're sitting here today and you know the Lord Jesus Christ by faith, it's because someone was praying for you. Guaranteed. The day I got saved, I shared with you guys a couple days ago, just briefly, how I got saved. The part of the story I didn't tell you, that's actually the most precious to me was the moment, the day I got saved was October 12, 2000, about 9 a.m. in a crack house in Wyoming, indulging in all the world that said I have to have and I need to do. When I got saved that moment, and I came home back to Omaha, Nebraska, and I went back to the fellowship, went back to the meeting, the, the first week while I was home, they had a little get together with a bunch of the Christians. And one of my dear, beloved brothers in the Lord and close friend, uh, elder of our assembly, his name was Dale Gleason. Some of you might know Dale. If you've ever been to the Workers and Elders Conference, Dale and Mary are very active there. In fact, that's the part of this story. <coughs> Dale came up to me. He said, huh, October 12, 2000, huh? I said, yep, praise the Lord. He said, uh, what time was it? I said, well, it was about 9 o'clock. I was so close to that. Dale looks at me and he says, let me tell you the rest of your story. <laughs> he said, uh, we were on the East Coast. The Workers and Elders Conference was going on. There was, I don't know, 300 Christians there that year. And he said, uh, right before lunch, they had asked if anybody, has, if anybody would like to spend time in prayer. We're going to all get together an hour before lunch, about 11 o'clock, East Coast time now. Exact same time for me in the mountains at in Wyoming, mountain time. We all got together and prayed and they had a whiteboard up front and they said, if you have any requests, come up and put your request on that whiteboard. And And Brother Dale went up and wrote my name on the whiteboard. And I told you guys the other day, when the conviction of the Lord came down, the conviction of the Spirit came down on me, I look back and I kind of laugh about it. I mean, what was, I, you know, what was happening in the news seemed pretty, pretty mild compared to the things we've seen over the last couple of years. But I'll tell you what, the conviction of the Spirit hit me like a ton of bricks. And it was in response to a group of Christians that were praying the same hour. And if you are sitting here today and you know him, I guarantee you, you take it to the bank. Somebody was praying for you. You are an answer to somebody's prayer. And that's what Paul says is how it begins. Prayer. I'm praying for you. Then he says that that prayer gives birth to knowledge. Well, that's just like salvation. Knowledge. And sometimes this knowledge, this work of knowledge is a hard task. It can take many years. I have a son. Is he in here? I don't want to embarrass him. Okay. He's not, he's sick. I have a son who has been burdened over his sin for two years. And I, as a father, I want to reach in and grab him and save him with all my heart. But I know the knowledge isn't there yet. We're working with my son. That knowledge includes something along the lines of what is sin, what is humanity, creation, fall, the God, salvation, Christ? And this is a process as we work in the lives of, of those that we're working with. Knowledge. That knowledge gives birth to revelation. That all of a sudden he is unveiled in our eyes. And that immediately is the aha moment. It's the same process. And that is what Paul says here. That the eyes of your hearts might be enlightened, that you might know. The word here is aido, to see or perceive this full knowledge. And this must be, it's the starting, starting from the point of salvation. This must be a continual process of revelation in the lives of a believer. A continual aha moment. This is, if you want to come deeper into the grace of God, this is the process right here. It is a continual, cyclical, aha moment of coming into the knowledge and the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Knowledge through the word gives way to intimacy, the revelation of Christ, to light, vision, clarity, and understanding. And then you you get on your knees and you say, do it again, Lord. Again, I would ask, how many times have you you prayed before the Lord? Lord, do that again. Take me through that process again. Open my eyes again. Take me into the deeper, into the currents of your grace, Lord. That's all that it takes, believer. That's all that it takes. Do it again, Lord. Take me into the land. You promised to give me this. The fullness of the land, you promised it. I'm holding fast that you're going to do it. Paul says, all it takes is prayer. And so brethren, this is in closing my thought to you as I started. I am committing to remembering you in my prayers. I'm committing to remembering you in my prayers. And I would ask that you would do the same thing for me. Please. May this consume our prayer lives. If we, could merely, if we could lay hold of this truth, what it said in uh, is that Acts 17, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. That's what we'll see. We'll see Portage La Prairie turned upside down. We'll see Valley City turned upside down. Alberta, the provinces turned upside down. It's the process right here. Father, we thank you for this time that we've had. We thank you for this time, Lord. Our hearts have been, have been brought into the heavenlies this weekend as we, have, as we have remembered. We remembered you, where we've come from, who we were, what you've done for us what you're doing with us right now, Lord, where you're taking us and what you desire to do with us, Lord. And the more we learn of you, the more we learn of ourselves, we realize this is all all your work, Lord. I look at this body here and I am reminded this is all your work. It's all your work. And Lord, we want to tell you that we're okay with that. We are completely content in that. And so, Lord, we move forward on our knees starting at day one right now today, Lord. May you give us a spirit of wisdom and of a revelation in the knowledge of yourselves that the eyes of our hearts might be enlightened, that we might come to know, Lord, may we lay hold of by faith the hope which you've called us to, the riches of your glorious inheritance realized in the saints and the immeasurable greatness of your power towards us, Lord. We want to go into the land, Lord. That's our desire. We want to go in. We want to have it all. And we're not afraid to ask that, Lord. We want to have it all because we know your heart for us is the same And so, Lord, we commit this weekend to you. We thank you. Thank you for my brethren here. What an encouragement it has been. We pray in your name. Amen.